0: How's everyone doing today? Well, I want to say uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for welcoming me here. It was mentioned almost that I was prodigal, not prodigal, somewhat wayward. We'll just sum it up by saying I was away. Right? I was away for a while. But thankfully, um, with the Lord. Uh, I... Um, I want to give you a quick update, I guess maybe before I should start on that. Um, Last week I was in Fort Myers, and some of you know Ben and his lovely wife. They were at Fort Myers too. And as he's looking at me, he might not remember exactly what color tie I had on last Sunday, but he might notice that it's different than the one I have on now. And he might actually have come to the conclusion that I'm a slave to fashion and have a tie for each and every Sunday of every week of the month. It's not true. I'm not a slave to fashion. It's just I have a very bad memory. And I left my tie, my tie, in my suitcase back in Indy. And every meeting I've gone to, I've had to borrow a tie. <laughs> it's been a little different. But this time, this is, this is from Henry Sardinia. God bless him. He, <laughs> he lent me this tie. And so, I'm here with a new tie. And, uh, very happy to be here with you. Um, Yoli is doing well. Uh, she wanted to be here, but we um, we opened uh, our door for an intern from Emmaus to come and spend time in Korea to actually intern with us in Korea to finish her degree in um, intercultural studies. And uh, she wants to be a missionary, and so she's there in Korea. And we thought it best uh, that... Uh, uh, Yoli would stay uh, there with, uh, with her while I was gone. Um, she wants to be here, and if everything that we plan, if it all comes to pass, we will probably be back next year uh, for the men's Bible study up in Camp Horizon. And if that's the case, I'm going to bring her, and uh, because I know she misses you all. I uh, was very sad to hear that uh, Abel and Jorlin are leaving and heading to that faraway place up there in Tallahassee. Um, I don't know why, but I I just, you know, even though I'm actually not in the meeting, you know, I'm going to miss them more now. Do you believe me? Yeah. Well, they're not here with you guys, you know. He was a great encouragement to me. You know, we used to play the guitar, and he'd have the piano, and we'd just sing our hearts out. A tremendous time. Now I see, you know, it's still going on, right? We've got other people with their guitars and their pianos and instruments going on. It's just amazing. It's just a a beautiful thing. Um, I was mentioning to Jamel a little while ago that how glad I was to see that the meeting was still as stable and familial. There's that sense of family here, and I, I was very grateful for it. I did. Uh, I was a little upset with him, though. I said, "You know, when I left you here, I left the country in perfectly fine working order. I come back, and the thing is chaos. What have you guys done with the country? My goodness, he kept the church going right, but the country is just—I don't know. I don't know what's happening with it." Well, Yoli and I, uh, when COVID started, we had to start Zooming. And as a result of our Zooming, we realized that we could bring in people from around the world. We had an opportunity in the Philippines, in a very um, uh, uh, remote place in the Philippines, to start bringing uh, those folks in so that they could uh, hear the gospel message. Now, uh, Yoli speaks Tagalog, but I don't. And so um, it was kind of tough to kind of convey the, the gospel message to those who Uh, although they speak some English, it's not really at that level where they could, you know, get a hold of it and understand what I was saying. And so we were able to, uh, ask a local missionary there in the Philippines. He's commander from CMML, but he's in the Philippines. He's a, he's a Filipino. His name is Jerry Yui. And, uh, he's come on board to help us. Now in the Philippines, we have, uh, about 15 or so people who are on that Zoom meeting with us uh, each week. We have a group up in, uh, in uh, Nueva Ecija, we also have a group uh, in Manila. So we see a, an open door and an opportunity uh, to uh, not only preach the gospel, but also to teach those who have uh, heard the gospel and who have believed. But there is no... Um, Aside from the Catholic Church, where they are at, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for Bible teaching. And so we've had that experience in the Philippines, and as some of you know, we started a little farm project there because of, uh, it's a very poor place. And, um, you know, with, 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 with poverty comes hunger. And, you know, there are many types of hunger, right? We have physical hunger where we need food, but there's also spiritual hunger. And when I, visit or talk with some of the young people from from the Philippines, you know, they'll say, you know, uh, uh they call me Lolo for grandpa, you know, they go, Lolo Tim, I want to be a pilot when I grow up. Lolo Tim, I want to be a nurse, you know, and, and they've got these high hopes and these aspirations, and I've got to tell you, they have very little chance of ever realizing those dreams. And, you know, we might have times where things are rough with us here in the U.S., you know, we might have Dry spells where we don't have all the money we want. Not many of us are starving here. And, you know, the the sad thing is there that I can preach the love of God to them, but if if, if they're hungry, you know, if they, it's hard for them to really believe that God loves them. And so we're trying to figure out ways we can do things that will generate some income for them and that we can connect that with the gospel we can connect that with the God who loves them and I think I told you last time I was here or maybe a year ago when I first mentioned it to you that we bought a couple of goats and we bought some chickens and, and some pigs and things like that and this thing has been growing and um, now we have we have uh, probably ten ten goats others that are uh, ready to have kids uh, shortly and the guy that's that's caring for him is just, you know, is finding it difficult to believe what's happening all around him. We end up with turkeys and we've, he was able to sell some pigs the other day for a couple hundred dollars and this was, you know, uh, for them, it was a tremendous, uh, blessing for them. And so those of you who have, you know, worked to, uh, with me on that and have helped contribute to that, uh, You know, they are being blessed by it and it's uh, something that I can see uh, becoming bigger uh, than it is now, continuous, continually growing. And so, uh, we believe that we will have opportunities to spend time in the Philippines in the next coming years as the Lord wills. Uh, to actually spend time on the ground working with, uh, the folks that we're talking to there. And so as a matter of prayer, uh, please remember us, remember that open door that we have in the Philippines that we might be able to, uh, be a help both in the Philippines and in, and in Korea. Uh, we wouldn't go to the Philippines in a full-time capacity, but maybe spend a few months out of the year, uh, there to, to help them along. Well, uh, that kind of sums up uh, what uh, what we have been doing in korea uh, there 's much more to say, but um, we 'll get on with our study here today and If any of you have questions, you, you can reach out uh, to us uh, the, the address our mailing address you uh, the elders have it here. Um, you can email or whatever If you have interest and you want to talk about what 's happening over there we 'd be glad uh, to answer any questions that you might have well today. Uh, uh, well, I guess it was actually last week that Malcolm mentioned that you guys were in your uh, in a study of uh, Revelation, or preparing to at that time, and I guess you already uh, into the initial stages of it. And uh, he, I asked, I said, "Well, is there any part of that you know you would like me to do?" And kind of talked about it a little bit. As he, as he was mentioning it to me, the thought that came to mind. And I'm sure that may happen to you as you read Scripture or something. There's a thought that comes to you that's impressed upon your heart and your mind. I was thinking of repentance. And the reason why perhaps I was thinking of repentance is because there's kind of that theme that's in Revelation. that there, There's a need for repentance. Even the church, the, the, the blood-bought church, the, the, the church that is and has the testimony that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the function of the church, right? That that carry that testimony, to have that testimony, that Jesus is the Son of God. And still, the Lord Jesus, with seven of those churches, I'm sorry, with five of those churches, five of the seven churches, told them to repent. Well, churches aren't exactly individuals, but nonetheless, there's... There was a prevailing attitude in those churches that required them to repent, and so I looked at that, as well as the repentance that is mentioned in chapter six. Is it, oh, it's nine and is it nine and sixteen? Yeah, of the world that God brought all of these plagues, all of this uh, catastrophe on the people of Earth. And they still did not repent of their idolatries, of their sorceries, of their murders, even though they knew these things were coming from God. And I thought it's interesting because there's this impenitent heart, there's this stubbornness in the world that even though it's falling to pieces all around them, (laughs) there's not a willingness to turn to God. And and sometimes... With, as believers, there's, there's a reluctance to repent, uh, and, and I use that term carefully because I don't want to confuse it with the repentance that's ne- necessary for an unbeliever, but repentance that's necessary for someone who is in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, whose life, whose attitude, whose thinking is not in accord or in accordance with the fact that they are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus who is the Son of God. Right? Each one of us has a, needs to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Yes? Please tell me yes. Yeah. It's, it's a requirement. We, 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 we as a member of Boulevard Bible Chapel aren't, aren't saved. We, we, we aren't born again because We are a part of Boulevard Bible Chapel. We have to have an individual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A personal relationship. God knows you uniquely. He saves you independently of other people. God loves you uniquely. And your relationship with Him is unique. It's different than everybody else's relationship. You come to the relationship, you enter into the relationship on the same ground as everyone else. But the relationship with the Lord Jesus is unique and different. Your relationship, because you are unique and different. Your problems are unique and different. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in this meeting today who can confess I've got problems. I'm sure that there are others who might be able to say, I got problems too. Yeah. And what's wonderful is that we have a savior who knows how to deal with our problems. And he knows how to deal with our problems because he knows us. It was mentioned by one of the children in their memory verse today, God created what? E- everything. <laughs> e- everything. All things were made by him. Nothing that was made was not made by him. Everything was made by him. I, I just, that I means you. And it's just amazing. He made, he made you. He loves you. And uh, he's going to help you through this. All of us, I, sh- I shouldn't include, I got to just say, bit, the problems that I have without him, I'd never get through them without him. And, and he's faithful to me. I know he'll be faithful to you and he'll help you through your problems. So let's get on with our reading. We've got, I guess I'm going to have till 1215. And so I'll do my best uh, to present some thoughts that I have. I trust that they're in agreement with the Lord on the things concerning repentance. Let's uh read in revelation. We'll start um, in, in verse uh, four. Of Revelation chapter 1. Turn there in your Bibles, if you would. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. It begins, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, And the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so... Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia unto Ephesus unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, or lampstands. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of God, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool and white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like under the fine brass as they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him I fell at his feet dead. And... He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. Well, one of the things that stands, or at least should stand out uh, to us, is that John is writing this, and John, if you remember, was the one who laid his head upon the breast of the Lord Jesus. There was a very close... Personal relationship. I think it's necessary to emphasize that word relationship. With the Son of God. But he sees the Lord Jesus in a new way. The Lord Jesus is walking amongst the lampstands, the candlesticks. And what is he doing while he's walking among those lampstands? What is he doing? I ask the question, maybe I can engage you a little bit. What is he doing as he's walking through the candlesticks, as he's walking through the lampstands? What's what's the purpose? What is he what is what is it conveying to us? What does he look like, by the way? What what do those clothes make you think of? Judge Priestly garments, the role of the priest to judge certain things, right? So he's walking amongst the candlesticks and he's walking amongst them as a judge. He's assessing them. He's looking into what's happening. And I think that's important for us to know is that the Lord Jesus is very interested in what's happening in his church. You see, sometimes if we buy something and we have to spend a lot of money on it, we take care of it. Maybe you've heard your mother say when she bought you a new pair of shoes, hey, take care of those shoes. You know how much they cost? Because something is expensive. What is more expensive than the church? What, what higher price could anyone pay than the blood of Christ? This is what you are purchased with. Because he purchased us with his, that's what it says in that chapter, right? He's washed us from our sins and his. The, hey, he's highly invested in us. And so therefore, he is very concerned about what's happening in his church. And it is his church. It's not. Our church, so to speak, but he has entrusted it to people, hasn't he? He's entrusted the church to the people he appoints who hold an office. They are referred to as bishops, as oversight, as elders. Under shepherds. hes He hasn't left them alone. He hasn't said, you figure it out. No, he's explained exactly what has to happen. He's explained. He's given great detail. Because, you know, when we entered into this relationship with the Lord Jesus, we actually entered into his school, didn't we? we? We became his disciple. And disciple essentially means student, learner. And so as we entered into our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, we entered into a relationship with a teacher whose job is to teach. If I I can say the Lord Jesus has a job. But his role in that relationship is one one of teacher, and he's training us up. So John sees him as judge, and John, who knew him as Jesus who laid his head on his breast, when he sees him as the judge walking amongst the candlestick, he falls down as dead because of the shock of it, because of the awesomeness of what he is seeing. And I think when I read that, fear not, there's several, and I know one brother said it out loud, amen, because if we were to have to face the Lord Jesus... In, in, in that sense, as one not of his blood bought, there would be nothing but fear. But be, because we are one of his blood bought, because we are one of his own, then the awesomeness might shock us, but he would say to us, fear not. Fear not. And that's good to know, because as we think about repentance, Many of us, we, we can think of a million reasons or a million things that we need to repent of. Things sometimes we don't really think that even the Lord knows about, but He knows. He knows all about it. And it's, it's interesting because if it, if it wasn't because He loved us so, and if it wasn't because of the, of the, the Power of the blood of the Lord Jesus, right, then, then we're in big trouble. But because of what he has accomplished for us, and because he is the Son of God, and because of what he has accomplished on our behalf, we can go to him. I think there's another place in the Bible that says something. We can approach the throne of grace boldly, right? We can approach the throne boldly because of what the Lord Jesus has done. And so, as we think on these terms, there's another there's another verse that I wanted to highlight here. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Well, you better be careful because he has the keys of hell and death. Oh, maybe he's going to throw you into hell. That's not what the keys are for. That's not what they're for, are they? What, what's the purpose of those keys? To let you out? In a sense, right? Bringing out, that we're bringing out of bondage the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful Savior we have. Hallelujah. What a Savior. It's interesting to note, He says, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right. How often is the church mentioned as a mystery? It's a mystery. It's often often mentioned as a mystery. And, And the thing that's, even though it's being explained to us, there's still some very mysterious things about the church. Would you agree with me? That it's a mystery. How can the likes of you and I, in the condition we're in, with all of the problems we have, Come together like this. Remember the Lord Jesus. To be able to say boldly, He's mine and I'm His. It's incredible, right? It's a mystery. And somehow or another, because of this humble meeting, that this is the testimony that's going out to the world. Jesus is the Son of God. This is the testimony that's going out. For you and I, as a church, when we come together... Jesus is the Son of God. And, and what does that mean necessarily that He's the Son of God? And why is that necessarily important to us? I think, uh, in Matthew, when the Lord Jesus, is at it 14, 15, and 16 where He begins to teach them in parables and, and, you know, who do, who do men say that I am? You know, some say that, you know, you're Elias and some say you're this and some say, this. and they say, who, who do you say that I am? I am the Christ. The, you know, uh, thou art the Christ, right? And, you know, it's it's mentioned there, you know, the Lord Jesus then begins to say upon this, oh, I build my church. And um, it's kind of mentioned there, in the first time in history the church is actually spoken about. But what preceded those events was kind of amazing too. There were some hungry people. And you remember the story of the loaves and fishes, I hope you remember the story of the loaves and fishes. Anybody remember the story of loaves and fishes? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. The story of the loaves and fishes. You remember that one group was fed? Jewish community. Then the Gentile community was fed? Loaves and fishes. And each time, you know, the disciples, we only got a couple of fish and you know, a few loaves here. This is all we have. And, and the Lord multiplied them. On two different occasions, he multiplied <laughs> those things for them. And Sometimes, as we think about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means to be in a relationship with the Son of God, and the things that we get concerned about sometimes, because it wasn't much farther from that, that, you know, the Lord Jesus was talking to His disciples and He said something like this. He said, Beware the leaven of the what? Pharisees! Beware the leaven of the Pharisees! And what did the disciples think? Oh! Drats. We forgot bread. And he had to explain to him what that meant. He says, weren't you there when I fed the 5,000? Weren't you dead? Didn't you see it? If you claim that I am the son of God, what is constrained for me? What is it that I can't do? The son of God, all powerful, all authority, The Son of God, nothing. He can do anything. Why would they begin to think, we don't have any, well, we didn't bring the bread, that's why he's angry with us. To be in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that's quite a thing to think about, right? Sometimes, you know, we're so concerned about what we have, what we don't have, and we forget that we're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. There's nothing too difficult for Him. Sometimes our personal, our human problems that we have sometimes, we think about it, it's, it's too great. I can't overcome. And we forget that we're in a personal relationship with the Son of God who loves you uniquely and wonderfully. There is nothing that happens to you that He is not aware of. I know every tear when in darkness you cried. And I'm here to remind you, for those tears I died. I remember singing that? Wonderful. Th- and it's true. He loves you. And he's the son of God. What is too difficult for him? He can feed the 5,000. He can, he, he can do anything. But he said to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And he, and he said it in a sense because, well, what, what is the doctrine of the Pharisees? What, what, what is their doctrine? What, what was going on? You know, we mentioned that the Lord Jesus is walking amongst the candlesticks and he's, he's looking, he's assessing his church. Prior to this, in the Gospel of John, John is talking about, you know, he mentions that the Lord Jesus walked to and fro many of the feasts that were happening in the day. The feasts, right? The, the, the celebrations that the Jews had. And he referred to them as the Jews' feast. Not the Lord's feast, but the, the Jews' feast. What had happened? Well, things had kind of devolved into a sense where they had a very, very vibrant system. It was a system that was very, very uh, well oiled. It just clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack. It worked like a charm. Everything was great. There was only really one problem with the system. It had devolved to such a state that the Lord was no longer in it. But they still had the feasts. They, they still had it. And, it, and they, they loved it. But you remember what they would say if they didn 't wash their hands and they ate bread it would defile the man That was part of their see it, it wasn 't the fact that the Lord was no longer in it that defiled them. It was no longer that they excluded the Lord from it was no longer that they had that problem, but it was the problem that they didn 't wash their hands that kind of a thing and are you following a little bit what 's going on? So just as he was examining them as he was walking to and fro in the Gospel of John, examining what was happening at these feasts, it was the understanding that they were holding the feast and they were doing it pitch perfect, doing it so well. the only problem was the Lord wasn 't in it. that 's tragic that 's tragic. It, it can even take us back to a time in Genesis where Eve and Adam the subtlety of the serpent he made them think he he put the lie to them that they could have something that God didn't want that God forbid but they could have it apart from God and still enjoy it what did what did she say about the fruit, it was, it was pleasing to the good to see. It was good for eating. And it could do what? It could make you wise. And so they attempted to have all of those things apart from God. And I want to say this in, in the most loving and because I do love you, loving way is that we cannot enjoy the things that God is giving us if we don't understand that all of it is connected to Him. We can't have it apart from Him. We, we can't be satisfied intellectually Apart from God, we can't be satisfied. Our stomachs can't be satisfied without truly understanding what we eat is from God. And boy, we can eat in the United States, can't we? One of the things I noticed when I come back, we went for a small ice cream. I said, "I said, yeah, brother Herm, let's go out for a small ice cream." I ordered a small ice cream, and the thing was this big when it came up—a small ice cream. In Korea, when you order a small ice cream, it's a small ice cream. You really you got to put your glasses on to see it. You know? Here it's enormous, and almost every every portion, just it's not the same in Korea. It's not the same. In the United States, we eat really well, but are we eating with the understanding that God is giving us those things to satisfy our taste, to satisfy our curiosity? He brings things to us to satisfy. Our eyes, He provides us beautiful things. But to see those things and to see them and to try to enjoy them apart from their connection to God, it's it's stale. There's a hymn we sing sometimes, I can't even think of the name, and it says a a greener hue or something like that. All of the things that we see, when when we associate them with God, when we know that God is the one that designed them, God is the one that brought them to us, God brought those things to us that we might enjoy, we might have the satisfaction of seeing, of, 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 of experiencing. He did it for our enjoyment. But how can we enjoy those things without Him? You remember the story of Moses when they were on their way to the promised land and the Lord was upset with them. He says, you know, I'll send an angel. He'll lead you up there. But I'm not going with you. What did Moses say? If you don't go, what's the point? How are we going to enjoy that land flowing with milk and honey if the blesser is not accompanying the blessing? And I think it's really important. For us to see the connection with the blessings we have and to tie it directly to the Lord. Every time we put that ice cream in our face, every time we have that huge hot box, whatever it is we have, to, to, to associate it, to tie it directly to the Lord and to thank him for it. Am I on track here? I, okay, all right. All right so let's look at uh let's look at chapter 2 and look at some of the uh what the lord is talking about in regards to repentance under the angel of the church of ephesus this is chapter 2 verse 1 under the angel uh, of the church of ephesus right these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks i know thy works remember what i told you he knows you Even the stuff you hide and you think nobody knows about. He knows you. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast had patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Sounds like everything's going fine. Until, verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And what would that repentance look like? Do the first works. Remember what it was, that when you loved me wholly, when you loved me uh, all together. Remember that and do those works or else I come unto thee quickly. What's the consequence? I remove the candlestick. I remove the lampstand. Now, what can that mean? Everybody in that church loses their salvation? No. We, we are so secure in our salvation. Is that something truly we, we can be thankful for, right? That no matter how bad we screw it up, we're secure in our salvation. We're secure. No matter, no matter the, the failure, the flaws, the mistakes, whatever it is that you encounter, and you'll encounter them, we're so secure in our, in our salvation. It, it, it's it's wonderful. But he's speaking to the church and he says, I'm going to remove your candlestick. And what is that candlestick? Could it be the testimony? Could it be the testimony of that church? The testimony that Jesus is the Son of God? Could that testimony be removed? That doesn't mean the church is going to dry up and go away. But the testimony is marred. The testimony is ruined. The testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. That's gone. And it's the idea here of love. And I think it's really important. All of the motivation for the things that we do. Individually and corporately. The motivation must be love. I'm doing it out of fear of the Lord. I'm doing it out of obedience. I'm... If you're in a marriage relationship and the only reason you're putting dinner on the table is because you're afraid your husband's going to beat you, that's not love. What we do, we do because we love the Lord. That's that's the compelling motivation. That That's why we do what we're doing, because we love Him if there are things for us to repent of individually i'm not I, and i certainly am not trying to say that you, you know oh, you need to repent of this and you need to repent of this. this is not what i'm trying to say but if there are things if there is something that we could repent of individually after having repented of of not acknowledging or not admitting or confessing that god is right about me he is my creator and he has a right to me and so when I repent of that, and I, I, I repent towards God, and, and, and I now turn in faith towards Jesus Christ, that's done! Repentance towards God and faith towards, toward Jesus Christ, that's done! Now we're in that relationship, and so now we must press on in that relationship, and how do we press on in that relationship? Our love should be growing more and more and more Every day. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Does it happen? have a moment of honesty with ourselves sometimes. It's just like it is in our marriages, right? You know, you first saw him and every time you saw him, you're like, oh my goodness, he's so good looking. You see her, oh man, look. Now we're married and it's 10 years into it and children and Financial problems and can't pay the rent. What am I going to do about this? And it's her fault, you know. And and all of a sudden, the love it dwindles it dwindles. That's why we have anniversaries, so we can remember not how many times you burned the roast, or not how many times you lost your job. We have anniversaries to remind us of how we felt when we first met them. Gorgeous thing she was. Man among men he was. To remind ourselves. Reignite that flame in our heart for one another. To love each other passionately. I think. If there's something for us to repent about. It would be that our love. Grows cold. For the son of God. Who loved us. And gave himself for us. You you might, you know, well, you know, I get mad at my wife sometimes and I yell at her, and I do to repent of that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's right. But that 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 pales in comparison to your love for the Lord waning. And I'm certainly not trying to put anybody on the chopping block here and say, it's you, or it's, you. it's us our condition as humans. And and if our salvation depended upon our ever-growing love for the Lord Jesus, we'd be in trouble. The point is, we understand that we must continue. And this work, oftentimes, I put the emphasis on me I'm doing the work. I'm trying to be a good boy, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do that. The work is happening in you because the Lord Jesus says he is doing the work. I heard it said one time that when you are disappointed in yourself, the problem is you had expectations of yourself to do something other than disappoint yourself. I, I, I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't try that we shouldn't try to do a good job we should we should try to do a good job but but failure is part of our condition and so sometimes when we have those failures we can get depressed oh well, you know that person doesn't have problems because I mean, we come to church and we look so fine you know we've got our Sunday best done the problem's Sadness and sorrow. There's sin in our lives. And we don't have it all wrapped up tight. We wish we did, but we don't. But God is doing that work in you. Never lose sight of the fact that God is doing that work in you. Every day He's working on you. Every day. When you fail, when you sin, which you will, your response in that situation is not to hide it, not to pretend it doesn't exist, not to look at somebody else and say, you know what, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to, please tell me you know the answer to this when we sin, confess our sins. Why? Why should we confess our sins? We've already been forgiven. Our salvation is secure. We confess our sins. Because He is what? Faithful. And just. To forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all... Un- how much unrighteousness? All, all unrighteousness. That's a God who loves you. And He's doing the work in you. And you're supposed to cooperate with Him. But don't ever think for a minute, you're doing the work. Because if you do you're going to feel miserable. And you're not going to enjoy your salvation. You're going to feel miserable with it. I'm such a failure. I was a failure as a sinner. Now I'm a failure as a saint. When you repented and you turn from the love of this world and you turn towards God in repentance and faith towards Jesus Christ, that attitude has to go. You, in a sense, have overcome you are in a sense an overcomer because the deceitfulness of this world because of all of its attraction how it appeals to your flesh how it appeals to your in, your, your your sensibilities how it appeals. and and you have said because God has granted you repentance you have said i want it not i want god and i want his son the lord jesus because he loved me Right? And and that's kind of, that's how you're going to enjoy your salvation. Because if you think you're going to enjoy your salvation by trying to be a good little boy or girl, you're going to be disappointed in yourself. And you're going to be disappointed in Jesus. He's the one that's letting you down, right? Oh, come on. He's working in you. He's working. I'm 62 years old and I've just begun to realize he's working on me. I thought I was doing it. No, he's working on you. Each and every one of you. Those of you who have trusted him. Each day, and I know I'm out of time. God bless you for your patience. Each time we come to the Lord's meeting, we sit in our seats. Today, it happened so fast, before I knew it, somebody was given thanks for the bread. But, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it teaches us something about ourselves. It says that we should what? Examine ourselves. What is it that we are examining? I've been good this week. I only kicked the dog once. Last week was bad. Three or four times I kicked that poor dog. But this week, no, just once. Is that what we're examining? When we see that bread, when we see that cup, what are we examining? Lord Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Right. As often as you eat and drink this cup, you show the what? Lord's death, how long are you gonna do it? Till it comes. The Lord's death is what it took, and it was effective. We sang that hymn today. It said, We are clothed in righteousness, not our own. Whose righteousness is it then? Righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what you're clothed in. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. You're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're moving upward. You're moving continuously towards glory each and every day because of the love of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus, the cross work of the, the Lord Jesus, because He loves you each and every day. You're moving towards glory. We're not heading towards a grave. This body might be in the grave, but we, we that thing that's up in your, in your, in your cabeza. That's going around and around with all those thoughts. That thing is going to be in glory with the Lord Jesus. And one day, he's going to give us something even better than what we have here in this. He's going to give us a celestial body, a glorified body. Is that enough to make you say, thank God, hallelujah, amen. Amen. You know, I, I feel it. I don't know if you guys are feeling it yet. Bob looks like he's, you know, 26 years old, you know, but I'm feeling it. Tired, get worn out, you know, but I'm moving forward, upward, ever upward. I'm moving. I'm pressing on what? The upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. (laughs) That's the joy of it. That's the joy of our salvation. And I didn't get into as much as I wanted to here, but I, I, I think we've, I think we've at least covered some things that might help us. Number one, to enjoy our salvation is from the Lord. Don't fret. Don't. If troubles are mounting, turn to the Lord. If your bad judgment has winded you up in financial difficulties, turn to the Lord. Confess it. Tell him, I'm a dope when it comes to money. I screwed it up again having problems in your marriage. I'm a dope when it comes to relationships. I screwed it up again. Confess it. He's faithful and just. You're in his school. He's not going to kick you out of school. You're going to get a passing grade. You're going to get a passing grade. You're on your way to glory. Rejoice over that. As we'll close in prayer at this point. Father, we do thank you for the Salvation that you have afforded to us through thy son the Lord Jesus. And oftentimes, oh God our Father, how we must how we must grieve your heart with the, the fear that we have or the, the 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 sense of disappointment in ourselves when you have promised and you've told us that we are safe and secure in, in, in we're safe and secure with you, that you are going to lead us through and you are going to present us spotless. You are going to deliver us to glory. And and that's that should be enough to just Make us live as, as victors. That's what we are in that sense, in Christ. How we thank thee, O God our Father, for thy loving kindness and tender mercy. How it is, O God our Father, that you took the likes of us and you brought us to a place of repentance where we could bend the knee and bow the head and say, save us. And you did, O God our Father. And the wonder of it that in this school you continue to teach us and develop us and to grow us up. That we might come, as Ephesians 4 tells us, into, into the fullness of thy, of thy Son, the Lord, to the full stature. It's not a job half done. We just thank you, O God, our Father, for thy wondrous love. We just ask, O God, that you would now dismiss us with thy blessing. Keep our hearts in tune with thee, O God, our Father, that we might truly enjoy our salvation, that we might set aside our fears and and our worries and our concerns. You, you are doing it. You are the one who is transforming and changing us, O God, our Father. And you ask for simple cooperation. We thank thee again, O God, our Father, in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus. We just thank you in his name. Amen.